With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. E-S-N-Y. How's it going, folks? This is Bleacher Creatures, episode 159, brought to you as always by XL Media, Crossing Broad, Elite Sports NY, Warwick Gaming, and as always, Rivercrest NYC. Uh, we made a little stop at the local animal shelter on the way to Bleacher Creatures today. All right, now, come on, come on, say hello. Say oh, hello. my God. Do you uh, stop at the animal shelter? That's how you're going to introduce me uh, to my rescued, own show? We rescued James <laughs> Kelly from upstate New York. Welcome back. You are uh, back on the market, if the rumors are true. Back on the market. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, yeah, obviously can't get into uh, why I'm back in the market. Uh, obviously, Josh, you know the story because I, yeah. I talked to you about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm back on the market. I'm I'm excited. Uh, I'm more excited than anything that I'm actually going to be able to watch baseball again this year. Because you know, one of the downsides to waking up at three o'clock in the morning for work is you can't really watch a seven o'clock baseball game. It's not really in the cards anymore. Yeah, no. uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. All right. Well, we're good to have you back, uh, Alec. You kind of marathoned here from the airport too. Yes, I did. Yeah, my sister's in town visiting, so I uh, nice. Like, can you pick me up? Then, like, I guess. What's a big brother for? Yeah, you go. You go into the uh, going to the Phillies game while she's in town. Uh, well, my girlfriend and I might go. Um, she's at my sister's going to be so busy with school work stuff. Um, she uh, probably is not going to be able to go to any game. But we're thinking about going to the Friday game against the Rockies. Nice. Uh, so yeah, we'll be. Uh, haven't decided anything for sure yet, but I think that's going to be the game plan. All right, so uh, James, we are uh, currently, as we record this, it is the top of the fifth inning. Michael King has a two-one lead over the Angels, and Shohei Otani uh, looks like he just fouled one off into the seats. He has another counts two-two. Uh, so it's kind of a frustrating time for the Yankees. The pitching staff is banged up. Giancarlo Stanton did his annual stint to the injured list, but. Do we just have to get used to the fact that Stan's going to be injured, or like I, I don't know, man? It's it's just so annoying every time it happens. Yeah, I mean, come on, we we know now, we know with John Carlos Stan, this isn't an, anything new. Uh, I think the real disappointing thing was that right off the bat, it's six weeks. Uh, yeah, when you hear, you know, what was it, a hamstring issue? Yeah, great too. Yeah. Yeah, when you hear hamstring issue, your first thought is like, all right, maybe a couple weeks, like maybe we'll put him on the 15-day IL, even if he doesn't really need it, we'll give him a couple extra games to ramp back up. But no, right to six weeks, that's that's not ideal yeah, for the New York shit. Yankees or for John Carlos And Michael King just struck out Shohei Otani swinging. Okay. I like and Michael yeah. King's looked pretty good. I, pretty I liked good. him last week. Last week in his last appearance he's still kind of ramping the velocity up to where it needs to go but the good news is he's still spinning the ball yeah. as he needs to so he'll he'll get there he's still ramping himself up yeah even that sinker 95 in the upper inside corner to a left-handed batter that's a tough yeah. pitch to throw yeah 
you know what? Speak, let's stick with Shai Otani. So uh, Brendan Cuddy, now with the illustrious Athletic, with those folks over at the New York Times, uh, he put out a story today that the Yankees, they're kind of dropping hints they're going to at least try for Otani. Uh, who I, I I personally don't see it happening, just from a money standpoint. Uh, Alec, wh- what do you think about this? Do you think the Yankees will actually pursue Shohei Otani? Yeah, I mean... Because from, from a fantasy baseball perspective, just in terms of, like, looking into the future, it's fun to think about. Oh, absolutely. And, like, yeah. you know, we can, we can for sure dream about it. Um, but it just it just strikes me as one of those things where if you're a general manager and you're not checking in with Otani's agent, then you probably should be fired because that's honestly yeah. the bare minimum you could, you should be doing for, you know, not being hyperbolic here, like a generational player. You know, yeah. it's literally been a hundred years since we've last seen a player do what he's been doing. Um, so look, I mean, Otani said some pretty nice things about New York and Yankee Stadium yesterday. Uh, yeah. Judge was kind of playing coy a bit. So, you know, it's the Yankees. You can never count them out for making a, a the big move. Um, but I personally, unless there's been a big mental shift in Otani as a player to where he's like, okay, I've established myself on the smaller market, less demanding, you know, coast that is the west coast and with the angels unless he's now suddenly like hey i'm ready for that spotlight i am ready to you know be in the jungle uh i i don't see him wanting to come to new york as much as i don't see new york having the financial ability to get him so i don't know you know it, it for now we can dream um but that's not something i see very realistic you know in happening james what about you but yeah, come on. Shohei Otani's not going to be a Yankee. We know this. We know this already. We knew when he first came over and he was looking at, at teams, he didn't even want to come meet with the East Coast teams because he wanted to be on the West Coast anyway. He wanted to be there where you know people in Japan could still watch his games because of the time shift. He didn't want to be playing at 7 o'clock Eastern time. That would have been too late. Uh, and, and, you know, let's be honest. Who would willingly come to the New York media market, especially Shohei Otani? Like, it's going to be a circus. He's never wanted that. He's never been that guy. So I just think the West Coast is just where he belongs. And, and okay, but how, how, how is the Dodgers going to be any different, though? Yeah, but the Dodgers will be the same. I think they'll have a better chance to sign him. In fact, if I'm calling it right now, it's probably 50-50 between the Dodgers and the San Diego Padres. I was going to say, like, the, the no Padres. No limits on their money. Yeah, the the Padres. Can we appreciate for a second how the San Diego Padres are literally spending old Dodgers money? Oh yeah, I love <laughs> like, it. It's yeah, it's, like, it's that, just that always gets glossed over every time. time. We've been saying this for years, Josh. There's no such thing as a poor organization. There's only selfish owners. Yeah, small, small market teams, small market as owners. Much as they can. Yeah, there's no such thing as a small market team in Major League Baseball. They're all worth over a billion dollars. They all well, have the money to put together a hundred million dollar payroll. That's yeah, possible. but like I, I'm just talking. I'm talking more about the fact, like over the off season, I'm saying, oh shit, like the Padres are spending a shitload of money. Yeah. Like oh, like but this is this is what you this? see when when you actually invest in your team and they're selling yeah, out every like single that... home game and and San Diego's never been more hyped about it. Like wow, this is crazy. We invested in good players and now people want to come watch and spend money and buy beer and food and wow, what a thought. And yet you still lost to the Rockies twice. 
No, let's early season, my guy. Early season. Let's hit the brakes on that. Hey, 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 hey. You, you want to hear? Early, you, you want to hear early season? Like, I should show you the screenshots of this guy in the group chat right here. Oh no. <laughs> Uh no, like Alec uh, is prone to going full Yankees Twitter. Oh no. Okay, yeah. all right. So so you know what it is. All right, I have a perfect analogy for this. <laughs> okay. Any hockey fans out there? Yeah, okay. Has anyone did anyone see what happened to the Toronto Maple Leafs in game one of last night? Uh you took you told got, me what happened. They got their shit kicked in by the Tampa Bay Rays. The Tampa or Tampa Bay Lightning. Wow, crossover. Uh, mind you, the team, the Tampa Bay Lightning knocked out the Toronto Maple Leafs last year. And if I remember correctly, the Maple Leafs had a 3-1 or 3-2 series lead and lost games six and seven to extend the drought of being unable to go past the first round to however many years it is. And every time something like last night happens to the Toronto Maple Leafs, you have the one side of the fan base that are like, ready to burn down the city and then you have the one side of the fan base saying like you guys are overreacting but there is the middle ground and the middle ground is last night it wasn't just about that loss it's about the other x amount of years where they failed to get past the first round even when they had series leads and or leads in game seven against the boston bruins and blew it in the third period now for the Yankees. Oh, this is, all, this is a Greco-level rant, by the way. <laughs> Look at this garbage. <laughs> Part of the meltdowns is not just in that moment. It's the years of the same shit happening <laughs> over and over again. So excuse me for getting pissed off, even though it is fully within our rights to expect shit like this to happen excuse me for getting pissed off when john carlos stanton has a grade two hamstring uh hamstring strain when he's running 60 fucking percent to second base yeah. oh they all but the yankees always make the playoffs man they always make it we just gotta be healthy then we're good and, and everything's look, fine I, I am on record from i think it was last week when danny was on where i said i i am fine with shifting the mindset to where you know after what everything the philadelphia phillies did last year i'm fine with shifting the mindset is just getting to the play in anything can happen when you get hot right maybe the idea of, of winning the division isn't necessarily as important as it used to be especially when you have if the rotation is healthy three actual aces that can run out you know the two games of the play in round and then game one of the american league division series fine whatever but I would like to see the Yankees just come out and, you know, I'm not talking about last year where they had the like incredible run and then they had that midseason collapse and then they found their footing at the end. It's just there are some moments already in this season where it's just the same old, same old with the, with this Yankee team. And that's what's the most frustrating part. Yeah, I get that. I, I look back at 2019 and all the injury problems that we had that year and just think like every time I opened my phone, somebody else was hurt. And I was like, all right, whatever, whatever. This season doesn't even count anyway. It's not even yeah. a real season. And of yeah. course, the Yankees go on to make the playoffs anyway. And, you know, we all know how that year ended. Not well. Yeah. But like, and you know, like the Stan injury is its thing. You know, we know that's what we should expect from him at this point. I'm I'm patient with him because he's historically been one of our best postseason hitters over the last few years, like whatever. But I'm still sitting there having a hard time 
wanting to buy into the team as much as maybe some fans tell me I should when I'm still looking at the big issue that is the seven, eight, and nine hole in the lineup and the lower half of the lineup just overall not producing at a level that, you know, a championship team should be producing at. And look, we, and the, the Tampa Bay Rays going on that incredible run to start the season, you know, we under, I understand they're playing quadruple a teams up to a certain point and like, whatever, but can we sit there and say the Yankees would have been able to go on a run like that? You know, that's, that's where part of my frustration comes from and where I go on those rants because it's like, I would just love to see the Yankees do something like that and sustain it or, or like not sustain an undefeated season, but just, you know, just show up and be like, we're the big dogs on, on campus and you guys are beneath us and we'll, we'll play like it, you know? Yeah. Well, that was relaxing last year when they did get off to that hot start where you're sitting there, you know, May, June, July, kind of sitting there thinking, this division's kind of over already. We've been in yeah. cruise control for weeks. We are just coasting to the playoffs yeah. at this point. And we're going to get that first round by like, we're, we're confident we're good. It, it's better. Yeah. It's definitely better than early season. You're playing, you're playing pretty well. You're winning series. That's the important thing yeah. that you're looking across the division and saying, okay, well, the Rays got off to this crazy start and obviously that's not going to hold up, but was it enough that when you look at the numbers in late September, you're kind of looking at games back and saying, this is a little tighter than maybe I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Rays are just, God, I, I cannot wait for Kevin Cash to get into the Hall of Fame for winning a World Series with a team that's not the Rays. <laughs> because like that that team is all him. Let's be honest. It's oh, all yeah. Kevin Cash. He is their greatest asset. And they probably pay him like less than a million dollars a year. <laughs> That'd be criminal. Yeah. The yeah. Rays, the Rays don't that's classic. Poor organization. Poor. Just don't, they don't have any money to go around. Not not a dollar. Yeah, it's and wow, Frenchie Cordero dogs that fly ball <laughs> for trout. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy, I'm on. I'm on an even further delay than you guys are. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like I know, I mean, like it's a cheap hit on weak contact, but like, come on, dude, at least try. Straight off the label. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why it'd be it'd be nice to have uh, Harrison Bader back, be able to put Judge back in right field, or he's, he's still, back he's still defensively. He's still taking oh, yeah. uh, taking batting like practice. Made a run on that. Yeah. 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 Harrison Bader's close to back. I like that. That's going to extend the lineup a little bit and, and hopefully help a little. Uh, I'm still waiting for Isaiah Connor Falefa to be gone. Uh, I just, I, I know why they re-signed him. I know that they wanted to try to at least get something back for him and he was already yeah. there. We didn't re-sign him for that much. It's like, all right, maybe we can get like a, a no name reliever that turns into Clay Holmes again. Yeah. Uh, but at, at this point, like, what is Isaiah Kiner-Falefa's trade value? You're not even playing him, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the, the worst part of it all is that once Bader comes back, IKF is probably still going to have a job just because, just because A, Stan's hurt, and B, it's easier to cut Willie fucking Calhoun loose. Yeah, and it just, it makes no sense that Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is the guy who just keeps, he keeps dodging that bullet. Yeah. And it's like, every everything we've seen has made me think less of Isaiah kiner Falefa as a baseball player since he came to New York. I, I've gotten progressively yeah. more and more negative about him mm-hmm. and, and about his ability to contribute winning baseball. Again, you know, one of the best baseball players on earth because he's in the major leagues. But yeah. when you're talking about that difference between, okay, are you an actually productive player or are you nothing? 
Uh, Isaiah Kinderfluffa can't field. He runs okay. Uh, he's fast, but he's you know he's not on the base. Okay, wait. Even so he doesn't get on the So if if Isaiah Kinderfluffa can't field, then why then why is there such a discrepancy between the outs above average and the defensive run saved? That's just the way they're measured, I guess. It makes uh, no one, sense. One maybe weights range more than just actual fielding ability, arm strength. I don't know. All yeah. these defensive metrics are different. And all I've gotten from them is that Isaiah Kinderfluffa is not a defensive shortstop. He's just not. And he never will be. Like, it's not like he's developing. Like, Anthony Volpe might end this year being a below average defensive shortstop. That very well could happen, even though he's looked pretty good so far this year. Yeah. Uh, obviously, defense is his strong suit as a prospect. That was never the thing that was going to get him to the major leagues. Uh, but if you're choosing between that and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, that's fine. And Anthony Volpe has room to improve because yeah. he's so young. Kiner-Falefa, that's a veteran. He's been around the league. He's been around the block a time plus, or two. He's not getting any better at defense. Plus, it's the worst kept secret in the organization that the plan is to ultimately shift Volpe to second base and have Peraza be the full-time shortstop. Well, yeah. Well, I think Volpe kind of ruined that plan in spring training. I, I think the Yankees' plan coming into the year was to try to trade Isaiah kind of but give Peraza the job at shortstop full time. Uh, yeah. And, and I think you know Peraza, he didn't look bad in spring training, but he didn't really put up the numbers. Right. Uh, I, I I mean I liked what I saw from him, which was fine. Uh, and now I think Anthony Volpe just played so well in spring training that they kind of took that decision out of his hands. Well, what uh, is like, it in Hal Steinbrenner and or Brian Cashman's head that they can't just admit they made a mistake and just DFA Isaiah Kinerfaleffa, Aaron Hicks? I don't know. Because again, he has no trade value. There, and nobody's yeah. nobody's giving up. It's going to be Isaiah Kinerfaleffa for cash and a player to be named later. You know, there's no, yeah. oh, this team is in desperate need of a major league caliber shortstop. Not a good one, but someone who can play every day and contribute on offense. Like, he's not yeah. that. He isn't that. I would, yeah, I don't know. If I'm like, if I'm cash and I'm working the phones, I'm saying I will take literally anything. Just take this guy off. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'd be doing the same thing. I'd call every every GM in the league, just like every GM should be calling Shohei Otani. Brian Cashman should be calling every GM right now. I mean, like, can I get like a bag of peanuts for Isaiah Connor Falefa? Just take the money it, away. It, give me a they bag. They could of peanuts. do the they could do the Dave Winfield thing and be and uh, get traded for a steak dinner. <laughs> what I wouldn't, I would be fine with that. That'd you guys, know, you guys that. know that story, right? I vaguely know that story. So, I know the reference, but I never heard the story. So, 1995, uh, the Twins traded Dave Winfield to the then Cleveland Indians for cash and a player to be named later. And so, they're out to dinner, a, either in Cleveland or Minnesota, and they're for trying to figure out, like, okay, like, who are we going to send over? Who are we going to send over? Uh, Cleveland execs looked at Minnesota's executives and just said, you know what? Just pay the dinner tab and we'll call it even. That makes sense. Yeah. That's how I imagine those deals going down with players to be named later. Or just kind of <laughs> like GMs sitting around and being like, oh, I don't know. I feel like people are going to kind of slam me for getting fleeced in this trade that I really want to make. Uh, why don't you throw in somebody that no one's ever going to hear from again? <laughs> All right. So, so now I know that whenever you get a front office job, I can call every GM and tell them that your asking price is two boxes of Thin Mints. Listen, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> two boxes of Thin Mints for Isaiah Connor Falefa would be a trade up. I would, I would, that would be doing the fleecing. Yeah. That's like an LI Yankees King level trade uh, in I, equity. <laughs> I, I despise Thin Mints with all my soul, and I would make that trade yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Even you, even for the Thin Mints. Yeah, well, my wife likes them, so. 
That'll do it. Uh, let's talk about Clay Holmes. Uh, I Mariano Rivera spoiled several generations of Yankees fans because we figure, okay, our oldest Chapman's gone, heart attack's over. Clay Holmes, it's just a different kind of heart attack. So, is, is he Alec? What do you think? Is he okay? Uh, I mean, yeah, sinkers are such feel pitches. Um, He's not the only one who's going to have those moments where, you know, you just can't find it. And I think that's just that's just the posi- position in general now. You're not going to have automatic guys like Mariano Rivera was or like maybe Trevor Hoffman or, or like whoever. It's just, This is the nature of closers now where they have electric stuff and probably 80% of the time they don't know where it's going. You know, yeah. the the my – Connection to major league hitting before I changed jobs. Um, you know, I've heard him and his hitting coach, and you know, I've sat in on the conversations as well, talk about like half the time any of the pitchers don't know where anything's going. So, you know, that's that's just how it is now. You're you're trained to throw hard and get a shit ton of movement and you know, instead of like trying to hit a specific spot as if you're Greg Maddox or John Smoltz or, you know, Tom Glavin, you know, it's just kind of let's throw in a general area and let the movement way, do the way right. to name drop the 90s Braves three headed monster, by the way. Yeah. Well, you know what? I was just watching uh, the King of Juco, you know, try to hit off the three of them. You know, uh, I don't know yeah. if you've seen any of these videos, but like he, they have this like really cool high tech machine where you can actually put in the spin rate of every pitch as well as just the speed. All right. And that's the last thing I watched on YouTube, and it was, it's pretty funny because you know, obviously, he can't touch them. You yeah. know, like you know, Greg Maddox was throwing eighty-six miles an hour. Yeah. But anyway, I always say that for those guys who didn't really throw that fast, and you hear people say, "Oh, this guy's only throwing eighty-six miles per hour. I could hit that." Like, <laughs> dude, no. Do you have any idea what that ball is doing on its way oh, to yeah. plate? I mean, that is a super bounce ball in like a little metal tube that's going <laughs> everywhere. Like you'd have a better chance if you blindfolded yourself. James, I was t- I was telling Alec uh, the other day how I went to the Jersey Shore last summer just to a batting cage, like thirty miles per hour just to warm up. My swing is terrible, dude. It's like it's the fucking worst. Yeah, I I I not to brag, can't help but brag. I have a pretty uh, clean swing. I got a decent swing. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. I've, happy I've played in my fair share of men's leagues. Yeah. American Josh, you've seen my swing. Yeah, yeah, I have seen your swing, you bastard. <laughs> yeah. All right, so Josh is the only one here with a bad swing. He's got a shitty swing. Everyone else can make fun of him. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an old fat dad. Give me a break. <laughs> anyway, so Vol- Anthony Volpe's up. Another full count on this kid. And he, he, that's getting, the thing with Volpe, man. He has not. Comfortable. Yeah, he he hasn't hit well, but he is still just getting on base. And that's yeah. perfectly fine for me at this stage in, in his development where he, you know, probably wasn't supposed to be on the opening day roster, made it anyway, getting yeah. his first taste of Major League Baseball. And at the very least, like, he's getting on. He's not hitting that well, but he's getting on base. And, and you, you can even, <laughs> Sorry. And you can, you can even see as, like, you're watching his journey in his development, you can see his swing developing that he right now he's – Learn to get more comfortable, 
lifting the ball, but also moving the ball to all fields while trying to get that lift on it. He's like really trying to tailor his swing to major league pitching and figure out how he can play his own adjustments to its strengths. Yeah, he's I'm, just got so much talent. Yeah. I would I would maybe like to see a little less lift out of him because sometimes he gets under the ball too much. But I mean like the biggest thing that tells us that he is a capable hitter is just how he approaches every at bat and how he works counts and his pitch recognition for the most part is very good. Um, so yeah, it's just, again, we talked about it before. How long did it take Julio Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman to adjust to major league pitching? And then once they did, they took off. And I think we're starting to see that. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I like that for Volpe. And, and the thing that I always say about the Yankees and, and the thing that, you know, has been shown to be true with past drafts and past prospects they've traded for is I think the Yankees more than anything value guys who control the strike zone very well. Uh, they, they see that as a, as a tool that you can't really develop. Uh, you yeah. either have it or you don't, and, and you can make changes and get better. But if you're a guy like an Aaron judge, like an Anthony Volpe, like an Anthony Rizzo, even a little bit, not so much him, uh, but if you're a guy who's going to get on base and is strong enough to hit with power, you got a good frame, you got a good 20 home run frame, the Yankees are going to be interested in you as a draft pick. Uh, that's oh, yeah. the thing they look for more than anything is can this guy control the strike zone and how does he project as a as a dominant hitter, as a damage hitter? Josh, I said this in our in our group chat, and I, I firmly do believe it. I think Volpe's player comp is Trey Turner. Maybe not so much as like maybe not so much as like as crazy of a high batting average kind of dude, but with the right amount of just good contact speed and probably same power output. I can definitely see that happening as if he can start getting a uh, consistent line drives off mm-hmm. the sweet part of the bat and just start, you know, hitting those consistent hard singles to the maybe gap, maybe to the gaps and steal a double, but he can already steal the bases pretty well. But yeah, I mean, Trey Turner, he's definitely not outside the realm of possibility, at least in terms of Volpe. And like Volpe's must must watch TV on the base paths. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's why. In fact, I want MLB to start using that new rule. They're trying the Atlantic League where you you basically get a designated runner. You can get (laughs) one guy on your bench and you can put him in once an inning for, for as a runner, just a runner. And you can put him in as much as you want and then take him right back out. If Volpe ends up being bad, I don't hate that as his role. <laughs> if he ends up not being able to hit at the major league level, I am A-OK with him being the guy who is just, OK, John Carlos Stanton got the first base he walked. Let's send Volpe out there again. And Stanton was never on the injured list again. <laughs> uh, then he, he would really only have to hit. That would truly be his only job in the entire world. Uh, speaking of dumb rules, how about this double hook DH thing that they mentioned as well among those rule changes? So dumb. So stupid. Yeah, there's one guy in our group chat who's an uh, ardent national leaguer who's like, oh yeah, I like this rule. Because <laughs> no. he, he wants to see the DH abolished. He wants to go back to the days when starting pitchers through more than five innings. Like, okay, like I get it. I get it. But what if, okay, say the Yankees in the first inning fucking teed off on Griffin Canning. Goodbye, Shohei Otani, for the rest of the day. Yeah. 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 That's stupid. That's uh, like Shohei Otani is the face of the league right now. That's what it is. It's, I just, there's no Fernando I, Tatis, no Aaron Judge. It's Shohei Otani. Like, and, you should be yeah. doing everything to get him more at-bats. 
I I get what if it's true that it's to limit the use of like an opener, I kind of get it. But now I feel like we're getting to the point where Manfred is just like, oh wow, I've gained so much traction with these changes. Uh, let's just see what else I can get away with. When it's just like, well, let's take a step back and question whether we that's where we really need to make the change. Because as of, and I mentioned this, Josh, I think today or yesterday, but like with the way that the pace of these games are going, which I love, by the way. It's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, like the change should be get rid of the runner on second again. Like get rid of that. Yeah, absolutely. I still hate that rule. I still yeah. hate it. It's a bad I, like you want to speed up the pace of play and and they always I don't know why Major League Baseball does it they go to time of game as yeah. the default for like we got to make the game shorter but no it, it was always we need to get make the games more exciting I'll sit here for five fucking hours and watch baseball if it's yeah. a good game it's a close game and the games are moving we're not taking you know a minute between every pitch like and that's I, I that's why I really like pitch clock because it's done that. But it's and it's shortened the overall time of the game as as a consequence of that. But I, I think it's just the runner on second rule. Like those are the innings that you want to be natural because those are the exciting innings. Those are the extra innings. Those are the one swing could end this game but, innings. But, but James, James, you gotta understand with the runner on the second rule, it's all set up so people can do a more sacrifice bunts, which is what you want in a shut up. inning. <laughs> you shut up right now. I don't want to hear you again for the rest of this podcast. Do not bring up bunting to me ever. You fucking know I hate bunting. You know I hate it. And you know that there's I hate a A-Rod for talking about bunting bunch. all the time. That was, okay, there's there's a time and a place. There is. There is. Yeah. But it's never when A-Rod says it is. Not one That's time very true. when A-Rod says it is. For a guy who hit almost six, 696 career home runs. And he's sitting say, there on Sunday night on baseball. one hand? Yeah, it's Sunday night baseball, K-Rod. Like, oh, we're trying to get the Manning thing going, but it doesn't really work because this is a different game. And also, Michael K and Alex Rodriguez, not funny people. Not <laughs> <No>. funny. <laughs> It, it, oh my god i completely lost track. but yeah alex Rodriguez, 696 <laughs> home runs he's on sunday at baseball saying oh, i would like to see him try to bunt against the shift for a hit here shut up man you know <laughs> notable bunter you alex rodriguez <laughs> yeah no prolific bunter he probably bunted like 10 times in his entire i was gonna career. say we could probably count it on one hand <laughs> yeah I, i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna look that up how many yeah, times did like alex rodriguez Juka. bunt that's why you like king Juco because he says screw bunt and just hit bombs yeah, that's how that's how you should play baseball, man. That's the exciting way to do it. He cares about a bunt. Wait, wait, wait. Who says that? The king of Juco, I was mentioning. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. A-Rod had zero oh, sacrifice God. bunts for the first 15 seasons of his career. Wow. Now, shut <laughs> up about insane. bunting. Don't tell anybody to fucking bunt. That isn't I'll tell you to bunt in like your your men's league games. No. I would never. If I that if we we had agreed upon that beforehand on my men's league team, like there's gonna be no bunting here. Like we're we'd like to win. Winning would be nice, but let's not pretend like this is the fucking World Series. You know, it's eight o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. We're all hung over <laughs> as shit. James worked until three o'clock last night because he's bartending, and it's eight a.m. on a Sunday. So let's all swing the fucking bat. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, you know, let's shift back to pitching. Clark Schmidt is terrible, and I want him gone. He has all the stuff. Like, he, the stuff is there. He doesn't know how to use it. Like, ugh, he, he is a reliever. I don't even know if I want him in that role. I'm at the point now where I just kind of want to designate him for assignment. 
He's like this guy back in the 90s, Brian Boringer, who, yeah, the stuff theoretically is there, but you don't ever want him in the game because he's just terrible. And I feel Clark Schmidt has become that guy. I loved Clark Schmidt in the beginning when it was clear that this is somebody who's just here as an emergency starter. Like we're not trying to make him a bullpen arm. We're still trying to develop him, but we're not we're not trying to make him the everyday fifth starter. And now it's just like, all right, he's got absolutely nothing going for him. Hard hit rate, 58.3% this year. Over half oh. of the balls. Over half of them that have been. Hey, at least we know like none of that came from the Cleveland game. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like... So it's just like, listen, he's just, it didn't work out for the Yankees. Maybe Clark Schmidt is a, he's an Arizona Diamondback, a fourth yeah. starter for them or a Colorado Rocky. I, maybe somebody else can use him, but it's, it's not the Yankees. <laughs> I mean, it just, a part of me is, is frustrated because it just strikes me as, Another highly touted prospect the Yankees had who yo-yoed prospects. Yeah, yeah. But they just yo-yoed him in this like fuck this middle ground of not sure what they want to do with him. And then all of a sudden, when it's actually time to be like, hey, let's figure out what you have, it's like, well, you're a little too late on that. You know, it's it's Miguel Andujar after his, you know, American League rookie of the year runner-up season. It's it's Tyro Estrada, it's all these guys who impressed in the small sample sizes, but instead of just being like, okay, here's more responsibility, take with it what you will and show us what you have. They're just like, now we're going to keep you in this like weird middle ground of triple a. You're our sixth starter. You're yeah. number six. Well, like, in, in fairness to Schmidt though, I, I do wonder if when all said and done with his time with the Yankees, assuming he doesn't turn it around, I'm wondering if the, I guess the autopsy of it all will be that losing that one year of development in 2020 and then having to debut that year just because the Yankees needed the bodies really messed with him. It could have. Yeah. Uh, I guess only, only he would really know the answer to that and the Yankees. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's never going to say out now that it did. No, no, no chance. Yeah. Still got a career to make for himself. He's still got to tell other teams like, hey, no, no, no. I am a good pitcher. Trust me. Yeah, I got this. We'll anyway. see. I mean, yeah, it, it is a shame, but it's every time he's taken the mound, it feels like an automatic loss. Yeah, it's but not ideal. Yeah, and unfortunately, the state of the Yankees' young pitching is such that they kind of have no choice but to keep trotting him out there. Yeah. The thing is, it would be great if the Yankees staff was fully healthy and you could slot you know, Brito Clark Schmidt into that triple a role. Uh, and, and Schmidt is maybe at this point, a little too old for it and a little too yeah. experienced at the major league level, but that's what I'm looking for. When, when you say, you know, you need 10 pitchers to win a world series. You do you, at, throughout right. the course of the season, you're going to need extra arms. I just, Clark Schmidt is in that weird middle area where he's still got a free agency to play for, but he hasn't really shown it at the major league level yet. He's not really in the rotation, but he's not really not in the rotation. He's back and forth. The bullpen, the production's yeah. not there. It's just there's so much that's just out of control for Clark Schmidt. It's just oh, how is he going to get comfortable on the mound? He knows that he's not here to stay. He knows that as soon as Luis Severino comes back, he's gone. And he knows as soon as Nestor Cortez Jr. comes or not Nestor, uh, Carlos Rodon comes back, he's gone. It's it's a tough situation for him. 
Yeah, I mean, the Rodon injuries are starting to get a little frustrating. And, I mean, maybe it's just me who noticed this, but I can't help but think that he came into camp looking a little heavy. And I'm wondering if maybe that has something to do with his back locking up or just the injuries in general. I think Yankee fans forgot that we even have Carlos Rodon. I think they (laughs) forgot he's even on the team. Oh, yeah. I had to remind myself the other day. We we knew when they signed him, it was a high risk, yeah, high risk high reward. Like the dude. It's also worth noting, like he played in San Francisco. That is a massive, massive ballpark. Yeah, that certainly has helped him over the career. So although he's not going to be like Cy Young, I don't think for the Yankees, but I, th- I think uh, he'll end up being good. You'd be surprised. His career numbers, like not just in Yankee Stadium, but also just across the AL East, it's like low mid threes. And his ERA against the Astros, I think, is sub two. That's good. And again, I would absolutely take a low three ZRA from yeah. Carlos Rodon. If that's what we get from him, I'm I'm signing up a hundred times out of a hundred. I take a mid high three good ZRA season. from Carlos Rodon. Oh, I can't spell. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to look up his stats now. Oh, always right, looking cool. up stats, like you do. Well, I keep that baseball now, spot on me. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Pivoting, how how long have you been back downstate? Uh, about an hour and a half. You only got back today? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was planning on coming back tomorrow, and I was going to do the podcast from Binghamton. Uh, oh. And around two o'clock, it's just like you know what? Like, I'm not doing anything today. I'll just I'll just go. So what was all your stuff packed up already? Uh, a bunch of it. I'm not. I'm only here for a few days. I'm going back oh, up to right. Binghamton. Uh, oh, gotcha. Yeah. But uh, for now, I got most of my stuff back down here and, you know, figure out what's next. Figure out where I'm going to go. Hopefully not Iowa or Montana. I already turned down a couple job offers. For there you go. It's yeah. just not going to be out there. <laughs> you, should, uh, you should just, I don't know, go outside Yankee Stadium and teach a bunting workshop to the children. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. You know, I haven't even made one old joke since we've been here the entire time. No, no, no. no I, all I, I'm hearing from you is bunting. Hey, you know what? I made the old joke myself when I put on these blue light glasses, okay? That's true. Listen, I do that too, though. Okay, so Come on. Now, wh- I got old person vision, too. You know what you don't have, though? You don't have cells. No. No, I'll probably, if I, uh, if I end up going to the city at all this weekend, I'll probably go way out of my way to get some cells. Yeah, well, I would I would take an hour long detour to get sales. I would do that. <laughs> like I'll text uh, all my friends, be like, "Hey, we're gonna hang out downtown." I'd be like, "Cool, I'll uh, I'll be there an hour and a half." <laughs> Alec, next time you're in the city, I gotta take you to sales. Sounds good to me. Yeah, the best pizza on earth, guaranteed. There was certified. A, when I was in upstate New York uh, for school, there was a local place called Sal's. So I always liked the the sound of that. <laughs> oh, it's a good pizza name for sure. Oh yeah, that's top tier pizza name. Mm-hmm. that's actually that's what i'd like to see anthony rizzo do with his post playing career i'd like to see him finish out his career as a yankee i think that'd be nice i think the city has really accepted him uh then open up a pizza place across the street in the bronx that'd be <laughs> the most popping pizza of all time not even a pizza place just like it just like an italian deli yeah and, and but it can't be fancy that's the big thing it can't be fancy it's got to be for the people and i think oh, yeah. Yeah, he knows that I'll, yeah. I'll double check with him but i think he knows that no, I'm talking. I'm talking like Satriales on the Sopranos levels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that'll work. We can Any, get that done. Anyway, um, 
going back to the Yankees, um, what was the last series? Oh, yeah, the Twin Series. It was kind of surprising that now, granted, the first game Johnny Brito had literally nothing working. I like, I got one family member texted me. Everybody has those days, just freaking out. It's like, oh god, like this guy's garbage. He's supposed to be good. Like, oh my god, this is terrible. We're supposed to beat the Twins. And I said, no, you're just seeing a textbook example of a rookie pitcher who has nothing working for him on a given night. Yeah, like, that's all yeah. it is. Who does? He doesn't know how to work out of it yet. I'll throw, I'll throw a number at you guys. Aside from Johnny Brito, all other Yankee starters for the rest of the series, 1.22 ERA. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Nestor's still nasty. Like, I was so worried he was going to, like, regress hard this year. But, no, he's, like, picked up right where he left off. It seems that this is his thing right now. I expected some pitch clock regression with him because of all the the crazy stuff that he was doing. And, you know, he can't really do most of that stuff anymore. And, and they banged Luis Garcia from the Astros for the same stuff. Yeah, uh, or he can't really do that deceptive thing anymore. Uh, I was a little worried about that because that—that's his game, right? That his game yeah. is the deception. He's not throwing at 100 miles an hour. There's no wipeout stuff. He's just a, a pinpoint control artist who knows how to mess with hitters' timing. But I was a little worried about that. But so far, so good for Nestor Cortez Jr. What a great story. Uh, hot take: Don't extend Luis Severino and use that money to extend Nestor Cortez instead. Got to see what the money for Severino is going to be. I can't imagine it's going to be a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're going to get a good deal on him because he's barely pitched. And who knows? Maybe he comes back and and has uh, a near Cy Young caliber caliber season. Yeah, but even then, even then, he's probably going to get Jameson Tyon money between fifteen and eighteen. Oh yeah, it's not going to be like the like the Garrett Cole deal by any sense. But it's, also, I, I think like, he's going to get a nice contract if he pitches well this year, even though he's been so injured in the past. And it seems like he like he wants to be a Yankee. Like, yeah. He's just kind of one of those guys where it's like, can you imagine him on any other team? Because not really. I really can't. And, he, you know, I, he's close with a lot of people on the team, you know, Judge yeah. and Torres included. You know, you kind of saw him and chumming it up with Eliza with the gun on the hat the other day which was hilarious. Um, yeah, that he just really seems funny. to really like and like love being a Yankee, and I could see him wanting to be like, hey, as long as we're in contention, I'll stay here. Because imagine if he's on that World Series winning team. You know, he's that homegrown prospect who stuck it out and, and maybe wasn't as available as he could have been. But, I mean, he was really one of the first guys that came up and was electrifying. Oh, yeah. It's kind of crazy to think now of Luis Severino as like a like a Yankees roster elder statesman. Like yeah. he's the guy who's yeah. been around for a while. He knows everybody in the clubhouse. He's barely pitched. He's had so much downtime with injuries that you don't really see him. And you kind of forget like, oh, my, did he debut in 2016? He's been here this whole time. Those injuries also, like talk about stuff that came out of nowhere, right? Yeah, like, and it's the progressive stuff too. The all right now yeah. my elbow's kind of flaring up, and now well now my shoulder's flaring up even worse. Now it's my oh, back now, and my now leg. The groin. Yeah, it's it's like every everything he does in rehab leads to another injury. Yeah, well look at Carlos Rodon. He was rehabbing a forearm. Now his back's hurt. Yeah, not thrilled about that. It's not great yeah. when because that that's what we've been looking at with the Yankees for so long is just the health, the health. Yeah. You know, I I started this podcast in 2018. Okay, 
2018, if I had a dollar for every episode we did about, oh, this guy's fucking hurt again. Now this guy's hurt. Dude, I'd have so much money. I'd have hundreds of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> hundreds of dollars to spend on that's, that's like all we talk about with the Yankees. Just stay healthy. And How then, hard and is it? My frustration comes from Josh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I will grant the health, the health and the injuries are infuriating. And we, we go out, we bring in Eric Cressy, we revamp the whole training staff, and we think, okay, the injury stuff, it's got to be behind us now. We've got the best in the biz. Eric Cressy, that's number one. That's the best guy. And now, yeah, but, how many, yeah, but how many of these guys came in pre-Eric Cressy, though? Yeah, that's that's the other thing. Oh, did Taylor Ward get hit? Or no, Nito. Yeah, he's got, he's made some pretty good contact tonight. Is Taylor Nito. Ward even on the Angels anymore? He's yeah. Up right, yeah, he's up right now. Just took okay. a strike from King. Yeah, that's the other thing with being in Binghamton for last year. I feel like I feel like my baseball knowledge went from like I more or less know the result of every meaningful pitch that happened today in any game just because of how much I was watching and, and how much I was following. Uh and now I feel like is this guy still on this team? Like I don't really remember. Uh I I was listening to a John Jaskremski's a New York, New York podcast the other day, and he was talking about the Mets Oakland series. And he said, name four players on the Oakland A's. And I couldn't. Yeah. I, I, dude, they don't even have Christian Pasha anymore. No, I, I I came up I came up with Shay Langoliers just because it's it's a weird name. Adam Aller and AJ Puck. No, nah, he he's on the Marlins now. He's on the Marlins yeah. now? He's Marlins yeah. now. He was, yeah, that was part of the Lizardo trade. Yeah, dude, uh, I've I've got, I've got nothing. Yeah, Loriano, that was one, and and then he also did a did a Tony Kemp. Tony Kemp and Ramon Loriano. Those are probably the only two guys in the A's I know. Oh, and and because they're ex Yankees, JP Sears and Ken Walnachuk. Oh yeah, I talked so much shit about JP Sears before he pitched against the Mets last week. I got did all you? my cousins are Mets fans, so I was I was looking at it and I was like. You know, we like to we like to do the no runs first inning thing. That's that's one of our favorite bets because uh, it pretty good return rate. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, but we were looking at it and be like, really, like JP Sears against it was Kodai Senga who hadn't hadn't pitched very well. But we were kind of banking on a, a little rerun because he the stuff has been good. The splitter has been really nasty. The fastball has yeah. been good, uh, but he he hadn't been pitching well. And Oakland is such a big ballpark. They were like, you know what, maybe he gets a bump today, but uh, and. They were all like, okay, so let's take the no runs first inning. And then be like, I've seen JP Sears pitch. <laughs> Maybe we don't. <laughs> I think he actually, he ended up pitching pretty well that night too. I think he gave up two uh, or three runs. I'll show you some pitching. Check out this last pitch from Michael King that you're going to see in a second. I feel like I'm behind too now because I'm waiting yeah. for it. Uh, just yeah. just to uh, keep everyone up to date now, the shine has worn off on Glaber Torres. He's won for his last 20. Yeah, that, I, that tracks. Oh, that's a dirty pitch. Yeah. Listen, I love Glaber. I love him. I, I, I really wanted Glaber to be very good. I wanted him to be a perennial all-star. And it's just, it seems like it's just not going to happen at this point. I was hoping maybe this year he got off to such a good start and like, all right, maybe he's got something going this year where he can be like that that 270 hitter with 25 home runs like yeah. maybe he can be that he's looked pretty good defensively this year i'll give him that maybe he's just having his annual august slump just in april maybe <laughs> so then what I, do we call it when the august who, slump actually comes to hit poverty 
<laughs> yeah, that's when that's when they start thinking about making Anthony Volpe the full time second baseman. Yeah. yeah. Wait. That's oh. what I thought the Yankees' plan was coming into the offseason was to to move Glaber Torres at the trade deadline this year. They were I didn't think they were going to start with Volpe on the roster until he played so well, but I thought they would hold him until kind of close to the trade deadline and have him taking everyday uh, opportunities at second base. Uh, and then have Peraza as the full-time shortstop. But of uh, course, Anthony Volpe just had to go and play well in spring training. Ruin well, all the plans. Also, uh, a friend, a friend of the pod, uh, Max Greenfield, uh, told me that. Max. Yeah, Max. Max told me that a lot of the reason Torres stuck around this offseason was because there was just still just so much uncertainty about DJ Lemayhew's toe. Right. That's another part. That's another yeah. part of it. <clears throat> yeah, and DJ's looked good too. He's looked. He really fine. has. Yeah. Like he's def- he's definitely starting to slow down with age a little bit, where the power is not a hundred percent there. But he's still good to poke a single here and there and get get that just enough line drive on the ball to lift it over the infield. I'll yeah, take I think that. we'll see. I think we'll see DJ kind of just be go go oppo with the fastball, and then if they hang an off speed pitch, that's when he's going to pull it for power. Yeah, it's fine. Like you know, that's what he needs. That, that's what we need him to be. We don't need need him to be hitting home runs left and right. I like sliding him into the middle of the order too, instead of lead off. It's just because he is that contact guy. And I know contact is, is less important in baseball now than it used to be because of, you know, the power of all and, and pitchers are so good now that it's not an efficient form of offense to string singles together and whatnot, but it's kind of nice to like get through that first time through the lineup. And you're, you're sitting there thinking, all right, well, Anthony Volpe's on second say Anthony Rizzo's on first, like DJ LeMay, who's up. We feel pretty good about a chance to put a run on the board here. Yeah. And, you know, with the ban and the shift, you know, I think it's going to serve teams well to have a little bit more of those high contact guys. Cause we've seen it. We've seen these hits that have gone for outs in the past, find the hole. So seen it with him multiple times. Oh yeah. But yeah. Like, so at what point do you guys think Anthony Volpe is, staying in the leadoff spot you think we're nearing that because i feel like we are he's he's my future the leadoff spot for sure that's the guy i want ahead of aaron judge and anthony rizzo and john carlos stanton uh, yeah. just because of the havoc he can create on the bases alone uh, and the attention that he draws from the pitcher just being on first base or being on second base even and he's not afraid to steal third base he did it today so i, I he's the leadoff guy of the future and i just I, did, I think when Harrison Bader comes back, they might flirt with him in the leadoff spot. They might flirt yeah, with putting DJ LeMahieu back in the leadoff spot uh, because once Bader comes back, you do get that lineup extended a little bit further for having him in there instead of, say, Kiner Falefa or Aaron Hicks uh, or even maybe Franchi Cordero might get a few less at-bats. Um, even though he's hit very well this year, eventually he'll come back down to earth. They always do. Uh, yeah, yeah. when you when you get these like hot streaks it's like oh Franchi Cordero he's the new Cameron Maben and so then you get to the next level and you're like okay so Cameron Maben went back to being regular Cameron Maben he's not like the the 300 hitter anymore that'll happen to Franchi Cordero eventually I, I'm just gonna enjoy the ride while it's still here but I'd like to see them make Anthony Volpe the regular leadoff man I think if you could put Bader and LeMahieu later on in the lineup if Volpe's getting on base in the top spot I think it's a no-brainer you leave him there I think you absolutely do that just because then like it, it's automatic good pitches to hit. They don't they can't just really junk them around. Oh. Mm. Oh, what did Shohei Otani do? You'll see. You'll see. Oh no. 
why is mine still in fucking commercial? What the hell? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. I thought I was on a worse delay. James, yeah, I need to see. Re- I'm waiting for James's real time reaction. The crazy thing is, we're all watching on Amazon Prime. Like, it's not yeah. like some people are watching on cable and some people are streaming. We're all watching on Amazon Prime. What the hell, Bezos? Ooh, that was a great pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Absolutely fooled him. I'll go spoil it for you. Wandy struck out Otani swinging. Oh, did you? Did you happen to listen I to swear, talk? I Yanks swear today? to Christ, dude. I swear to Christ. I'm watching this on MLB on MLB.tv instead yeah. of Amazon Prime, and I have now rewound it twice. And every time Peralta releases the ball, it freezes, and then it cuts to Otani walking back to the dugout. So I can't oh, even no. see the damn pitch. Oh no! God damn it! Yeah. That was terrible. a good pitch. It was a changeup down and in. <laughs> okay. But did, did you happen to listen to Talking Yanks today? Because they had Aaron Boone on. Oh, no, uh, I haven't listened yet today. He was he was saying how apparently Wandy Peralta is like, he's not like a, like a psychopath, like a crazy person, but like he's just, he's like Tommy Canely. He's oh, just a little okay, bit wild. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I remember Canely was on uh, R2C2 right after he resigned and he mentioned that. How, and he mentioned how like, um, how people made a point of getting of getting him and Wandy together. Yeah, because they're they're both crazy people. Yeah. I, I'm gonna be so happy to have Tommy Canley back when he finally is like back back. I just pointed out I wrote saying the Yankees should bring him back two weeks before they actually did. Just to be in the clubhouse, just to be around. Yeah, just what get Tommy Canley. Everyone loves him. Yeah. Who no, that's who doesn't that's love what Tommy I was looking Canley. at. Uh the was it no, it wasn't 2021. It must have been last year when he was still with the Dodgers. Uh, that was like my big thing looking at the Yankees. Like the big problem, and again, for a team that won 100 games, uh, yeah. the big problem was that I was like, you know what? The vibes really aren't that high. Like it seems like this is just strictly business and nobody's really having fun out there. Like that's when you need Tommy Canely, man. Tommy Canely can break any slump. He can get any hot streak going. Like he's just that dude that makes everybody feel good in the clubhouse. So in other words, you got you need Tommy Canley back in there with Wandy Peralta and just have absolute chaos in the yeah, dugout. Yeah, and strap GoPros on them. <laughs> you know, I I recently did watch that one video of Tommy Canley in spring training right before COVID, where he's just looking for Chad Green and he just walks Chad, <laughs> Chad, Chad. <laughs> no, I remember that video was the first time I found out that Zach Britton was funny. Because uh, before that, Zach Britton was just this like this mythical closer from the Baltimore Orioles who was yeah. should have pitched in the playoff game, the wild card game, should have pitched. Buck Showalter didn't put him in, but he was just he was this mythical closer. And then you watch that video, and was like Zach Britton's funny, like he can make content too, and it was great, and I love that. And that that Yankees team, the the was that 2019 or 2020 that that video came out? I don't even remember. that was 2020. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because that was before the season abruptly ended. Um, I was, I was yeah. remember thinking like this team is like they've got the good vibes. Like everybody is is friends with each other. Everybody's playing for each other, and that makes such a huge difference when it's not just like you look at the Yankees and they're an actually boring team. Like they're not a fun team to watch. Uh, very good, very talented. A lot of interesting things happening there, but it's not like they don't have fun on the field. Uh, but I, I'd like Tommy Canley because he does have fun on the field 
and he wears yeah. just the tightest pants in the league, except maybe Walker Bueller, who I don't know how he gets circulation of blood to his feet with the pants that he wears. <laughs> well, well, now we know why he's really on the injured list. It's not Tommy John surgery. No, 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 no. He's he lost all blood flow to his extremities. <laughs> yeah. Although I will say this about the Yankees, yeah, they're a boring team, but like that doesn't mean that as a team they still all care about each other and they all get along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, there's there's like the difference between like we're very friendly coworkers and like oh this yeah. team is like off days like we're all together, road trips we're all together, uh, that kind of thing where you got bullshit going on yes. on the team plane and nobody's just like getting ready on sleep or or you know reading doing some boring shit. And again, I don't know what the Yankees team plane is like. I imagine it'll be more fun with Tommy Canely on it, though. Uh, Canely uh, on um, on R2C2, he was telling the story about how they just played high card at one point on the plane. How, like, yeah, Great it's game. like, yeah, and how, yeah, guys weren't sleeping. They were just sort of sitting around the table watching it, and it was just going like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, oh, I knew the thing play. with the with yeah. the fantasy football league. The one of my <laughs> favorite stories that Lindsay Adler ever wrote. Oh uh, god, that was great. just like, yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff that I feel like we haven't really heard about since Tommy Canley left. So maybe maybe that's going on behind closed doors and everyone's keeping it all hush hush. Maybe the problem was that Tommy Canley just didn't know how to not talk to the New York media. <laughs> maybe so. That's uh, my favorite problem to have, though. Yeah. Now, one of my favorites who's up at bat right now, uh, Oswaldo Cabrera. Love this I love guy. Oswaldo. He's Donnie Rojas. Uh, he he projects for me in my mind as like a consistent 110 OPS plus guy, like barely above league average, but plays a bunch of different positions and plays good defense. Doesn't really hit great, but hits enough. And that's yeah. totally okay with me. Because he's just, he's got a great swing from the left he side. He might be for real. Or Ben Zobrist. I, I'm down for that. I'm 100% yeah. down from that. Now that having a Ben Zobrist is like a normal thing and it's not just having Ben Zobrist actually. Yeah. Oh, I love Ben Zobrist. Yeah. Let's bring Tyler Wade back. Let's replace Isaiah Connor for left with him. <laughs> We're not bringing back Tyler Wade. He's most the handsome most man handsome man in baseball. There we go. <laughs> He's handsome, Josh. Get over it. Uh, he was very handsome, but my flow and my hair was at its best last year was better than his, so we all know it. Wow. Okay. That's <laughs> that's a claim that has been made. Yeah. Hey, you you kind of have substantiated it, pal. Don't, don't it's think. it's, you it's a, a claim. It's a claim that has been made out loud. That's like the longest my hair has ever been, like too. It was terrible. I, I'm never doing that again. Oh, yeah, I, I grew out my hair real long during the pandemic. It's actually, it's pretty long right now. It's getting a little crazy. Oh, yeah, all right, yeah. Yeah, okay. some fair lettuce up there. Well, but it, again, I, I wear a hat 99% of the time. Like, I was I wore yeah. hats in the studio. I wore hats when I when I was hanging out with the mayor. Like, <laughs> I just wore hats. What was that like, hanging out with the mayor? Uh, I don't think I really appreciated how weird it was to just like be on a first name basis with the mayor of the entire city first just, name like, basis yeah just like once a week just being at a press conference there and like shooting the shit with him like one time uh we had a press conference they were building uh an apartment complex across the street from where the rumble ponies play sure and 
we, we, so they had a press conference there and the mayor was there. It started raining. So we went inside into the batting cages with the rumble ponies because they yeah. were involved in the project as well. So the owner, David Sabaka just let us into the batting cages and me and the owner of the Binghamton rumble ponies are sitting there trying to peer pressure the mayor of Binghamton into taking some hacks on <laughs> camera. Cause the TV stations were there too. And, and it like, it didn't hit me until afterwards that I was sitting there thinking like, I'm pretty sure I just tried to bully the mayor into embarrassing himself on local television. And I did it with the <laughs> owner of the Binghamton rumble ponies. <laughs> nice. Now, now the rumble ponies stadium, do they share it with, uh, with the university? No, actually fun fact, the university stadium, five times more expensive, way nicer because they, <laughs> they got an anonymous donation of $50 million specifically for a baseball stadium. Now, Anonymous. why anybody would donate $50 million to the Binghamton University baseball team beyond me? Because it's not even like they're good in their division. Like they're perfectly average in their division. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. Like they play in, uh, what is it? I can't even remember the name of the conference anymore. It's like, that's how, that's how little I think of this conference uh, <laughs> and they play in a $50 million baseball stadium because somebody just gave it to them. Uh, ESN wise, I'm managing editor James Cratch told us this story the other day, speaking of college stadiums, the reason Rutgers baseball isn't on TV that much is that they pretty much play on the equivalent of a little league field that has bleachers oh, and not seats. Oh, oh wait, it gets worse. It gets worse. The Somerset Patriots wanted to build a stadium on land in Piscataway that was owned by Rutgers. And they're like, the whole plan was like, look, this way you could like, you can share the stadium with us. You can have more TV infrastructure for your college baseball team. You can up your national brand. Like and we'll lease it from you, all this, all that. Rutgers said no. That's kind of dumb. <laughs> kind of dumb? That's yeah, it's kind of dumb. <laughs> why wouldn't you want to play in a nice new stadium <laughs> alec, alec you played division three and i'm pretty sure your stadium was nicer than what rutgers has right now yeah because we had like a, a couple million dollar donation for a turf field but like we would play teams so when our field was being constructed we didn't really have a place to play so we would just play at the hudson valley um renegades stadium oh and a fish camps what was that fish kill yeah yeah or i guess like technically wappinger falls oh um, yeah all right Way so like there. yeah i mean so my freshman sophomore year we would play there it was awesome we get like access to the clubhouse and we you know go under the tunnel and shit it was really cool and then uh every year we would play like nyu and nyu plays at uh the cyclones stadium in oh i didn't know that yeah, I didn't know they played there either. I didn't know NYU had a baseball team. Yeah, yeah, small D three. I can't, I can't imagine it's very good. Uh, they're actually not bad. They're not bad. They, I think they beat us, but we also weren't that good. So yeah. But hey, you know, we we could big league it because we'd show up, you know, early and we're doing our pregame and we have access to the visitors' locker room, and so like That's we're sitting life right in the lockers there. with our shit hanging up and. You know, and then we come out in the tunnel and we go up the steps, and then yeah, we're right there. Dude, that's nice. Yeah. It oh, was. Man. Now I miss being a player. <laughs> I still don't. <laughs> I once played on a on a field that had light poles about a hundred feet in right field from home plate in the field in the field of play. Um, yeah. yeah, so not quite as nice. 
Yeah, there was a yeah. That's we, a that's other than miners right there. I think we played a. Uh, I think it was like a SUNY school in the city, and it was the weirdest field that I've ever played at because right field was I kid you not maybe about two seventy five from home plate, and the fence was on top of a hill. Like I think like I know I, what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm, I I found the place. I can I can go back through the archives of my college and I can find the name of the place. But I'm not talking like Towles Hill in Houston. I mean, like this hill was 45 degrees up and then the fence with a stone curb at the base of the hill. And the ground rules were from the foul pole to one light pole in right center field. Anything towards the foul pole was a... a ground rule double if you hit it over the fence so my teammate my teammate hit one over the fence to towards on the center field side of that pole for a home run i went fucking two for three with two doubles over the right (laughs) (laughs) and you know what both times i'm like screw it i'm pimping the shit (laughs) freshman in college i I hit one technically over the fence i'm like i'm gonna jog to second base i don't give a shit (laughs) it's a stupid flip it flip it gotta flip it Stupid field, what? stupid rules. Did this stupid field also have an oldest shit scoreboard out in right field? It might have. I th- yeah, I, th- I think that's where Columbia plays their home games. Is it really? Dude, that's crazy. Oh, I, tried, I... I tried playing in the city one time. I remember it was John Lindsay Park on the Lower East Side. Uh, okay. And I was still, I was just trying out for this team. Um, and I had, I had made the team by the time this happened, but uh, I'm throwing a bullpen. Um, and I'm like maybe 12, 13 pitches in and I take a weird step and I feel this twinge in my hip and I definitely Uh-oh. heard it bad. I ended up not playing again after that. That was actually the last time I played. Uh, but while I was feeling that it was mid pitch launched a ball right onto fucking first Avenue, nice, <laughs> right over the backstop, right. over cause I was, I was throwing hard too. I was all, all, all the way through my motion until the point where I was planting my foot. And then when I planted my foot, I just let go of the ball. Then it went right onto the road. <laughs> All right. I, now, so, Josh, this was this was actually in the Bronx. Southfield in the Bronx. Southfield? Yeah, that's what shows up on. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm looking this up right now. Hold on. I don't know how anybody gets into baseball in New York City. The, oh, the mentions yeah. of the fields are just insane, let alone, like, just the amount of room you need to play baseball. Like you can just dribble a basketball anywhere. You work well, on like your my first, my first ever college game was against Yeshiva. And like, so that was my first time in, you know, playing baseball. I'm from Florida. So, you know, I went to upstate New York to play baseball. Yeah. Small liberal arts college. And your first game was that early March, mid-March. Yep. Well, yeah. so here's the funny thing. I had 103 degree fever going into, into the game. And so, my school had just started the varsity program for the first time in 75 years. Like they were rebooting it. It was a whole, whole thing. And so I got the call to the bump in the first game. And I wake up that morning with 103 degree fever. And I'm like, I'm not going to miss this. I'll pitch through it. So we get to Yeshiva. It's 20 degrees out. I pitch that game. I'm dying. Like, I mean, I am dying. I make it through like five or six innings. Somehow we win the game. And then my coach is like, all right, Alec, you're going to DH the second game. When you're not hitting, go into the team bus and stay warm. I'm like, you got it, coach. So I remember. Somebody come get me when I'm in the hole. (laughs) 
no seriously like i would i would stand i would stand next to the bus driver who's sitting in the bus with me and we're just watching the game and when i pick out my spot i'm like all right i gotta go and there was one time there was a guy on third base i ran out put my helmet on put my gloves on like first pitch swinging sacrifice fly i didn't stop running until i got back into the bus (laughs) (laughs) and then i got bronchitis after that Oh, I wonder why playing in 20 degree weather with 103 degree fever. I wonder why you got sick after that. You know what? That's out of all the things I, uh, all the things I never did while playing, I never did, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, man, they just balk one. It's annoying. Uh, I never played a game sick. Yeah, it's I an mean, experience. It is. Because you kind of like, I, I feel like, Every time I've I've played some kind of game or or run a meet or pitched a game uh sick, it kind of feels like an out-of-body experience. Like you blink your eyes and all of a sudden it's the fifth inning. And it's a tie game now. Great. Wow, spoilers. Sorry. Was that did Geo do it? Uh yeah, it might have been. Might have been a bad pitch. Yeah, yeah, that was Geo. Good for uh, Geo. He, I'm, I'm glad he, he's he having went, some success. He went and got that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just a blooper, too. Uh, nothing you can do if you're Wandy there. Uh, that was a cheap buck call, though. Yeah, it certainly didn't help. Yeah. All right. Anyway, folks, that's uh, that's probably going to wrap it us wrap it up for us tonight. Uh, James, thanks for coming back on, man. I mean, we're uh, not doing a three-hour podcast? No, nah, not today. We, <laughs> I've yeah, got we... three hours of material, my man. You got three hours of material? <laughs> no, I don't actually have three hours of material. All right. Well... What are, okay, well, in that case, yeah, go away. We don't want you here anymore. This is my podcast now. Mine. Un- <laughs> Mine. Unbelievably rude. Unbelievably <laughs> nah, rude. Nah, to nah, the I'm founder, kidding. the founder of the Bleacher <laughs> Creatures. Even I'm... Allison wasn't the founder. She didn't come in until like episode 20. Yeah. I haven't texted her in a while. I should, I should do that. Yeah. Anyway. Actually, I haven't texted her in a while too. We're. we're we made plans like two months ago to go to the uh, Somerset Patriots game when they were in Binghamton. Oh, uh, yeah. And I, I just completely forgot about it. And they were there Whoops. last week or two weeks ago. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, well. My bad. We wanted to see Jason, <laughs> but. Yeah. And pretty soon you'll see, probably see Spencer there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Listen, at least we can watch minor league baseball games now on uh, on MLB TV. Yeah, sorry. Okay, my cat is like being an absolute brat right now about me. This wouldn't the show. be an an episode of the Bleacher Creatures if there wasn't an appearance by a cat. Yeah, and uh, Aaron Judge, man, that's all I'm gonna say. Absolutely. Well, thanks, thanks yeah. for having me, guys. It was all good right. to be back. Yeah, cool. And uh, yeah, we will uh, see you next time, guys. <laughs> <laughs>